The following message comes to you from Life Point Baptist Church in Apple Valley, California, where we pray that God's Word is a real blessing to you. I'd like for you to meet Wendy. She's an energetic 20-something-year-old with her whole life in front of her. Uh, she grew up in a nominal Christian home. They went to church occasionally, uh, often for special events like VBS or a Christmas program or Easter Sunday. She knows the, the gist of, of the Bible and the claims of Christianity, uh, teaching about right and wrong, and she still remembers a lot of the characters from the Bible, such as David and Elijah. But these days, Wendy has other things on her mind. She's all about her career in the medical field. Um, she's training to be a nurse and looks forward to advancing in her career. And while she's serious and passionate about her job, her personal life is really kind of a mess. Uh, she has a strained relationship with her parents. Uh, they tried to tell her what to do one too many times when she was a teenager, and she told them off. Um, she's had more boyfriends than she can count over the past one and a half years, and uh, she's accumulated a mountain of debt, and it's especially troubling because she's young and still has a lot of education to pay for. But her most obvious problem is her emotions and her stress level. One day she'll be up on cloud nine, ready to conquer the world, and then the next she's down in the dumps and depressed and just kind of wants to end it all, borderline depression. This roller coaster ride doesn't, doesn't surprise her friends or her close family, um, but her new coworkers and acquaintances, they wonder what is going on with her. Ever since she was an early teenager, she tended to ride this, this emotional roller coaster. A friend would, would tell her something that somebody else said um, in gossip, and it would just ruin her day. She'd be devastated. Um, other times, she would hear um, some claim or, or some report of something, and without thinking about it or checking on it, she would just take it to heart, and uh, it, it led her on all kinds of causes and campaigns for different things. <clears throat> this attitude of believing everything she was told led to a lot of drama for her at school and at home. But now that she's out of the home, it has actually led to some dire, uh, to some dire circumstances. This foolish behavior um, has, as I said, put her in debt. You know, she'll, she'll see that ad on TV for that knife that will, like, cut your shoe and then cut a tomato and that mop that will be, like, the magic mop to clean your whole house. And she impulsively buys all kinds of things. When she comes across stories about things on Facebook, instead of looking into it, maybe cross-checking, asking some people who might be in the know, she just believes it and spreads it around everywhere to the point that her coworkers just kind of roll their eyes whenever she comes around. They're wondering if they can believe anything that she says. And then in the evenings to kind of soothe this sporadic roller coaster emotion, she soothes it by watching Netflix and cable TV. And this just fills her minds with more uh, ideas about politics and materialism and celebrity gossip. And in short, Wendy is a mess. Now, if there are any Wendy's here today or on our live stream, I'm not talking about you. Okay, this is a made up Wendy here that I'm thinking of. Um, but this Wendy has little discernment. She's prone to believe the last or the loudest word that's spoken to her, and it has really had devastating effects in her life. Now, I want you to imagine that you're a new coworker and you come across Wendy. Maybe you're in a class with her or working a, a shift on the hallway in the hospital. 
and you get to know her a little bit. You, you tell her that you're a Christian and, and you believe the Bible and you try to live uh, out its principles. And she says, you know, that's nice, but kind of just leaves it at that. And over the weeks and months to come, you have opportunity to get to know her and to talk to her. And the question I want us to think about is if you were in that situation befriending Wendy, what would you tell her? How would you counsel her in the decisions she's making in her life? Well, God's word provides insight and wisdom for all circumstances in life. And I'd like to look at a passage in Proverbs 1 that points out the danger of living a gullible, naive life and the ultimate solution. So Proverbs chapter 1 And we will start in verse 20. Before we begin reading our passage, just want to give a brief overview um, of the purpose of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is a specific type of Hebrew wisdom literature. Most scholars see Proverbs as a collection of books or, pro or uh, a collection of many Proverbs that are written by several authors. Um, Solomon writing the bulk of it, including the one that we'll read today. And as we'll see, biblical proverbs have as their aim the heart, and they require skill and spiritual insight to apply them. You see, it's not enough just to come across it and read it. We actually need to have a right spirit of understanding to understand a proverb. Solomon said in Proverbs 1.6 that these proverbs, these proverbs are like a puzzle or like a riddle. And we need God's insight in order to understand and apply them. Like a sharpened blade, a proverb can be used to give life-giving surgery of the soul. But handled by a fool, they can cause abuse or even harm. So now, with that back, uh, backdrop in mind, um, I'd like to make a few comments about our particular passage, chapter 1, and then we'll read our text starting in verse 20. Solomon's goal in this first collection of Proverbs is to warn and to advise his son. And he says that um, right in the beginning, verse 8 of chapter 1, my son, hear the instruction of your father. And so as a wise king, he is trying to set his son up well to follow in his footsteps, to honor God and to rule with wisdom and discernment. In, in verses 8 through 19, he warns his son of the danger of teaming up with a gang of fools. This is a group of guys that are all about just having a good time and taking advantage of other people. And so Solomon warns him of going after and following after a crowd like this. And then we move into our section today, which starts in verse 20. And he changes gears a little bit. He moves from warning about this gang of fools to using a person, what we'll call Lady Wisdom, to teach his son a lesson, especially about being gullible or naive. So let's read uh, Proverbs chapter 1, and we'll read verses 20 through 21 to start off with. It says this, Wisdom calls, al uh, calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses. At the openings of the gates in the city, she speaks. Her words. And the big idea for today, for this sermon, is that we need to seek wisdom at all costs. We need to seek after wisdom at all costs. And the first point that we'll see starting here in verse 20 is this. With wisdom, 
If we ignore her call, we will fall. So Lady Wisdom is saying, if you ignore the call that I'm giving to you, you will fall in destruction and judgment. And the first point under that is that wisdom is available to all those who value her. So a a little intro or a little backdrop here on this person, Lady Wisdom. So Solomon uses here a literary device called personification. You might have learned this in junior high English or, uh, or later into high school. But basically, he is creating a person, an imaginary person, through which he can explain what wisdom is. And this is familiar to us if you've read any love poems or listened to any love songs. Um, you know, a poet or an, an author of a song, he could just describe love in very clinical forms, right? Man sees woman and goes after her. Woman either rejects or says yes, and they fall in love, okay? But in order to make it a little more persuasive and beautiful and romantic, um, they will often put it in very poetic language, including personification. So, for example, Shakespeare put it this way. He said, shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and temperate, which I thought was just a great love poem for a day like this, right? (laughs) Summer day being lovely and temperate, right? So Solomon's saying, if you think about a summer's day, how beautiful and warm and pleasant it is, you, the person he is showing his love and affection to, are more lovely and more temperate than that summer's day. So here we see that Solomon is going to tell his son that wisdom is the best thing, that wisdom is to be sought above all else, and to persuade him after this, he is going to set up this lady wisdom who is going to make a stark contrast between foolishness and wisdom. So, Lady Wisdom here is saying that wisdom can be found. It is available to those who value her. We see this in the description of Lady Wisdom's actions. Notice the words that are used. It says, she calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in these public places, the concourse or the city wall and the opening gates of the city. So Solomon's point here is wisdom, Lady Wisdom, is running around town crying out a message. She is available to those who will listen to her. In fact, this this phrase raises her voice in the second part of verse 20 is used in Job chapter 2 to describe the roaring of a lion. So the idea here is that wisdom is shouting out for everyone to hear. There's no mistaking the fact that she is publicly declaring herself and making herself available. And one just sort of short takeaway here is that God's wisdom is not reserved for the most highly educated, for the socially or politically connected, for those who are wealthy. God's wisdom is available for everyone who will seek it. It can be found if you will humbly seek after him. And I think one kind of takeaway here for application for those of us who are in a position to influence, especially the young, whether you're a parent or a grandparent, maybe a teacher or just an, an, an elder, is that we ought to use every opportunity to point others to God's wisdom. You see, Lady Wisdom is out in the marketplace. She's out in the gathering place. She's out where people are and where they mingle to warn them and to correct them and to push them to God's wisdom. And in a similar way, we ought to use the opportunities, the platform that God has given to us to influence 
others towards God's wisdom. But a second takeaway here is that wisdom, Lady Wisdom, isn't the only voice in the streets. She has to raise her voice. She has to yell out or roar like a lion because there's so much other commotion going on. There's so many other voices and opportunities to turn away. So we've seen that wisdom is available to those who value her. And next, in verses 22 through 27, she is going to show that you ignore wisdom at your own peril. We ignore wisdom at our own peril. Let's read, starting in verse 22. This is her speech in the marketplace. She says, How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you, because I have called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no one has regarded Because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes, when your terror comes like a storm, and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. So Lady Wisdom here is not beating around the bush. She's not sugarcoating the problem. She is laying out clearly that if you want life, if you want If you want blessing and peace and and harmony in your relationships, you need to seek after her. You need to find her, and you need to do whatever it takes to follow her. And if you refuse, the judgment is dire. So we see in verse 22 that Lady Wisdom specifically is calling out to three groups of people. She's calling out to the simple or also referred to as the gullible. She's calling to the scorner, or the mocker, is category two. And finally, she is generally calling out to the fool. So first of all, we come across the gullible. And uh, I'll probably use this term most when referring to this person, um, partly because our word simple gives the idea of, um, you know, something that's easy, easy to figure out. It's simple versus hard. Um, But really what what the word is getting at here is somebody who is naive or gullible and basically just goes along with whatever they are told or whatever they hear. And this is true of Wendy, who I, who I brought out in our introduction. This simple or gullible person is, is easily swayed. They're not fixed in their position and in their beliefs. On the positive side, that means there's hope for the gullible person. They can be persuaded by God's wisdom and truth. But on the negative side, they can also be persuaded by the fool or by the mocker, as we will see. And so, in Proverbs, a goal is to give prudence to the simple or the gullible, Solomon says in chapter 1, verse 4. And so, Lady Wisdom here is trying to get the attention of the gullible or the naive and saying, listen, you need to wake up. You need to follow after me. Stated another way would be, from Lady Wisdom, don't you get it? When will you ever grow up? You ever said those words to a child? Why don't you get it? Why won't you listen to what I'm telling you? And that's what Lady Wisdom is saying here to the to the gullible. Why are you relishing in your gullibility? You're, you're being naive. Why do you embrace that? You need to wisen up. And then the second group she goes after or describes are the mockers. 
And I think it's best to see the mocker, the scorner, and the fool as sort of a subset. And then the, the, the gullible is the main audience here, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But she's saying, essentially to the gullible, if you don't turn from your way, and if you don't seek after me, you are going to become like the mocker. In Proverbs, uh, the mocker is not someone to be desired. Okay? This person is someone who raises his fist against God, and in his pride and in his arrogance, he mocks against the name of God and the, and the name of God's wisdom. The only solution laid out in Proverbs and in Jewish society for the mocker is to get rid of him, is to, to move him out of society and warn others to stay away from him. And if you take away a mocker's ability to scorn and to mock and to belittle others, they don't know what to do. They make their life's mission tearing others down and, and, and calling others away from God's wisdom. And so Lady Wisdom here is saying to those who will listen, do not be like this gullible, or excuse me, the mocker, who will scorn and who delights or they love or relish mocking and tearing down other people. And so we will be wise to mark out that person and stay away from them. And then finally, she describes the fool in verse 22, uh, the final phrase, that fools hate knowledge. And in many ways, that's a great definition in the book of Proverbs for a fool. He sees knowledge, he sees understanding, he sees the ability to grow in his depth and discernment, and he says, I don't think so. That's not for me. I'm just going to keep going on in my pride and arrogance. They have no appetite for knowledge and for disciplined thinking. And Lady Wisdom says they hate knowledge. One author described the fool this way. A fool sees knowledge in ignorance. He sees usefulness in harmfulness. He lives on that by which one dies. His food is distortion of speech. And Proverbs is saying as a warning, we need to stay away from the fool and guard our hearts that we do not become like the fool. So Lady Wisdom is calling out a warning to th these three groups of people. And I think, as I said, specifically focusing in on that simple or the naive one. And so we see, in, starting in verse 23, the call to repent. As we said, the gullible, they're not hardened in their ways. There's a chance that they can be redeemed, that they can be brought back on the right path. And so she calls out to him and says, you need to turn. You need to repent of your ways. And if he will, if he listens to her message, the second part of 23 holds out hope. She says, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. This reminds us of God's message in the prophets. Remember that? He says, if you will turn, if you will come and seek me, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my known, words known to you. So there is hope for the person who will turn to God. There is hope for the gullible who will come and turn to God's ways. But then we see, starting in 24, that rejecting God's wisdom brings judgment. She says, I called out to you. I stretched out my hands. I made myself available. But yet, in your foolishness, you rejected me. You disdained my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. That idea of advice or counsel is like a plan that is mapped out. 
It's a strategy for growth and success and blessing. And Lady Wisdom is calling out to this gullible youth saying, I have all of your life mapped out. I have a perfect plan laid out for you. If you will just humble yourself and bow the knee and follow after me. But he sees that roadmap. He sees that plan of blessing and peace and prosperity. And he says, no, that's okay. I'm going to go after my own way. In my arrogance, I'm going to say, I think I have a better plan than you. And so he refuses to do so. And so in verse 26, she says, my response to you is to laugh at your calamity, to mock when terror comes. And then in verse 27, she piles it on and describes this judgment like a horrible storm. She says it's like a whirlwind, like a tempest, anguish and distress that are coming upon you. The Hebrew words that are used there doesn't come across in our translation in English, but they all sound very similar. Okay? Another literary device is called consonants, where certain sounds sound similar to drive home the beat or the message. And so this, the terms that she uses are shoah, sopa, tsara, tsuka. She's pounding like a nail this idea that destruction and judgment and hard times are going to come to you if you do not turn, if you do not repent. Like a Category 5 hurricane or an F5 tornado, there is utter destruction at those who do not turn and listen to Lady Wisdom. She is pleading with the gullible to turn and to repent at all costs and to seek after her, to seek after wisdom. And she has shown that if we ignore this call, we will certainly fall. So you would think after laying out this just stark picture of judgment, of destruction, of foolishness that waits down this path, you would think that the gullible would, would wake up, would listen, and would turn. But sadly we see in 28 on down that he does not. And her response is to pass over him and to leave him to his way. A summary of this passage would be this. In verse 24, wisdom says, I call and you refuse. Now, the gullible, once he's down this path of destruction, things are getting rough, he needs help. Now he's going to call out in verse 28. And she says, I will not answer. So let's read starting in verse 28. Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would not have my counsel, and they despised my every rebuke. Therefore, she says, they shall eat the fruit on their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. So one sort of summary of this judgment of Lady Wisdom by leaving her presence is this, that wisdom can't be downloaded on demand. Wisdom cannot be sought after and cannot be twisted and manipulated for your own end or your own good. Another way of summarizing what Lady Wisdom said here is in the phrase, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, known as lex talionis, just like we see in the Old Testament law that 
he has gone on his way. He's refused to listen. And now, when things are getting tough, when things are heating up, now he says, all right, I want your blessing now. I want some help. I need your peace now. And she says, listen, it's too late. You can't manipulate and seek after this wisdom for your own good and for your own purpose. She illustrates that in verse 31. She says, you took a bite of this fruit of your own gullibility or your own foolishness, and I am going to watch as you eat down the rest of this food. It's tasting bitter now, and you are going to have to live in your foolishness. She says you're going to be filled with your own fancies or your own desires. This inability to be found could remind us of what God said in Micah chapter 3. He says this about stubborn Israel. They had the law, they had God's presence with them, and they refused to listen. And he said, then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. At that time, he will hide his face from them because of the evil that they have done. Now, we're going to talk about the hope and mercy that God extends. So we shouldn't conclude here that God does not have mercy on sinners. Remember the whole point of Lady Wisdom going out in the streets and standing on the walls and going into the corner uh, of the marketplace is so that they would respond. She has been calling to them and calling to them, but eventually she lets them go on their own way. And in many ways, this, this could be uh, concluded as the worst judgment, that she's letting the fool go on his own path to his own destruction. And so the lesson that we should take away here is that God is merciful. God is gracious. But there will be a day of reckoning, a day of judgment. And if we do not turn to him and embrace his ways, it will be too late. And remember our person, Wendy, we talked about? We see this in her life, her rejection of wisdom that affected every aspect of her life. Every part of her life was, was marked by her foolish choices, her emotions, her finances, her relationships, and most of all, her relationship to God. She refused to listen to her parents who tried to warn her. She refused to listen to her teachers and to others who tried to point her on the path of wisdom. And at some point, she had to live in the bed that she had made. God does show mercy, but it won't last forever. And so Lady Wisdom gives a sobering warning that if your life is marked by rejecting God's word and his wisdom, it is time to wake up. It is time to listen and to heed the message that God gives, especially those who are young who think, I have the rest of my life to live. I'll figure all that stuff out later. I'll figure out how I can please God and use my gifts to serve him and my abilities in the church. That's something I'll figure out when I'm old. But you know what? That day might not come. And if you refuse to submit and bow the knee to him, you will live in your own foolishness. So he said that if we ignore God's or wisdom's call, we will fall and that we must seek after God's wisdom at all cost. Verse 32 is sort of a summary of this, this call and this message. She says, the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. In other words, if you keep going down this path, it will be to your ruin. But there is hope. And just like we sang in God's truth, or in the songs about God's strength, 
and his mercy and his grace, there is hope. So let's read verse uh, 33 and see the hope that is extended out to those who will listen. In light of all that she has said, all of her warnings about being foolish and the destruction, she says this, but whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. She calls out to that gullible who is there, and he's feeling the pull, and he's feeling the sway of his foolish friends who call him and say, come on, let's go. Let's go after, uh, let's go after foolishness. Let's go uh, steal money, or let's go cause trouble. And she calls out to him and says, listen to me. If you listen to me, you will live in safety and peace. There will be blessings and security if you listen to me. And so wisdom provides safety and peace to those who will follow after her. In our story, Wendy, you know, um, has made some tough choices. She's had this roller coaster of emotions. But as her friend and coworker, you could try to teach her how to, how to deal with her finances or some coping mechanisms to help her when she gets angry. Or you could try to help her, you know, mend her relationships with her parents. But in the end, if Wendy doesn't know Jesus and has not given her life to him, no amount of external fixes or patches are going to solve her problem. You see, it's not just a problem of her circumstances. She has a heart problem, and she needs help. She needs to be warned of the end of her choices, but she also needs to be pointed to Jesus and that her hope is found in him. And if we heed wisdom's warnings, we will be blessed. There is safety and hope that is found in him. One more verse I'd like to look at, and then we're going to talk about some application here specifically. Because the question could come up, all right, I see the need to seek after God's wisdom, to heed its message, to turn away from foolishness and all of the messages that I hear from others. But how do I find it? How do I actually get it? You know, you said, Pastor Tim, wisdom's out there, and she's, she's yelling, and she's vocal, and we can find her, but how can we actually get this wisdom? In a similar way with our friend Wendy, how can we point her to the truth of God's wisdom? And I think we can find that in verses 5 and 6 of chapter 2. So if you still have your Bibles open, you can turn or look your eye down to cha- uh, chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. It says this, Solomon has called to his son to receive his words and to treasure his commands, and he says this, Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And as I mentioned, you know, Wendy needs more than good advice. She needs more than a little self-help book that can get her through the day. She needs God, and she needs to find rescue and help in him. And the same is true for us today. Whether you need to turn to Jesus in repentance and salvation, or if you've been a believer for years in your life, we need to look to God alone who can give wisdom. Colossians says this, Colossians chapter 2, that that God has revealed wisdom through Christ. Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And just like Lady Wisdom calls out to those who will listen, God has revealed himself. He took on flesh and became human to show the wisdom of God 
but even more than that, to bear the weight of our sin and our foolishness and our pride and our rebellion. And if we want to know God and in his wisdom, it comes through the work of Jesus. It comes through the person and the work of Christ. And James 4 says that if we want to know God's wisdom, if we want his blessing and peace, it comes from those who humble themselves. We need to come humbly before God. And if we do that, he will lift us up. So true wisdom is found in God alone and in the person and the work of Jesus. So I have three categories of application. Then we can go warm ourselves up a little bit. We can feel our fingers and toes. All right, the first category is this, that Jesus is the key to all of wisdom, so trust in him today. Trust in Jesus today. And first of all, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you haven't put your faith and your trust in him, you will not find life-giving wisdom anywhere else. Yes, you can find sound advice to help your bank account or to help you advance in your career or to smooth out your relationships, but you will not find true life-giving power from anyone or anything else. So today, God calls you to trust in him and to follow him. And to those who are followers of Christ, you say, Pastor Tim, I have given my life to him and I want to know him. I just extend a similar message that God is the source of all true wisdom. Whatever our circumstance, whatever the, the weakness or the temptation that we are prone to give into, whatever the struggle we find ourselves in, in our marriage or in our homes or at work, God is the source of wisdom. So we ought to guard ourselves and guard our hearts as to who we go after and who we listen to, as to what advice we allow into our lives and who we hold up as role models and examples. If they don't match up to God's wisdom, then we need to drop them down a peg. We need to, um, to put them in or see them in their place, and we need to trust God and his wisdom. So Jesus is the key to all wisdom. We need to trust in him. And the second category of application is this, that people are incredibly self-centered and foolish, so we need to wise up. Lady Wisdom made it clear that the gullible youth is prone to go with the flow to his own destruction. And you know, if we're honest, if we're honest in our hearts, I think we would admit that often we are easily led astray, just like this gullible person. We can be led astray by, by uh, friends that we have that are giving us unsound advice. We can be led astray by the entertainment, by the media that we can soak our hearts and our minds into. We can be led astray in our moment of difficulty and crisis and, and just turning to anything and anyone that will give us a, a, a salve for our hearts, whether that is in substances or relationships outside of our marriage or other forms that will not give true and lasting peace and blessing. So we need to wise up with the fact that we can be gullible and that we have weaknesses. So I just want to ask a series of questions here and, and just consider in your hearts, does this apply to you? Does this ring home at where you are? Where, can you, where do you go to find your source of information and truth? What number or what priority does God's word have when you are looking for answers to life's questions? How does it rank 
compared to the TV show or the radio program or our favorite news source. And with that information that we get, can it be backed up? Can we, can we determine that it is wise, sound advice? You know, getting back to our elementary or junior high English class, you might have learned the five questions, right? The who, what, where, why, and when. You know, those serve us well in life when we're sorting through information and we're trying to discern what is wise and what is true to back up these claims that we are given. Um, I've read a few places that the average American spends about two hours and 22 minutes a day on some form of social media. Now, give or take, probably, based on your experience or whatever you do. Um, but I think we're naive if we don't realize the impact that these sources of information have on us. Lady Wisdom is crying out in the street and in the marketplace, um, but in our cases, they, she can be drowned out by the multitude of posts or tweets or videos. I was talking to Pastor Kidd on Friday. Uh, he had posted the blog post, which if you haven't read, I really encourage you to do that, even this afternoon. Uh, he titled it, Lovers of Truth in an Age of Nonsense. And um, you know, I was telling him it, it meshed so well with the message that I was preparing on wisdom and truth. Uh, we didn't consult on it or anything, but it, it dovetailed nicely here. But as we use, as we think about information and media, what is the filter that goes through um, our minds and our process? Do we see it as a tool by which we can build up the body of Christ? Or is it purely for entertainment? Is it to get gossip or to tear others down? Or is it something that can build others up? And along those lines, a convicting question for me is, what stops your scroll? Okay, you know what I'm talking about, your thumb scroll? You're going down the feed, whether it's a news site or Facebook or whatever, and it just goes and goes and goes, and it'll scroll all day long, right? There's no bottom to the end of the scroll. But what stops your scroll? What catches your eye and causes you to click and to read and to dive into it? Is it something, does it catch your eye because it's good and wholesome? Because it can add to your worldview and make you a better disciple of Christ? Or does it catch your eye because it's, it's gossip, because it's juicy, because it furthers your cause, whatever that might be, um, in life? So what stops your scroll? What catches, catches your eye? And what would Lady Wisdom have to say about that, what you are reading and soaking in? So we ought to realize how prone our hearts are to wander and how naive we are, and we need to seek after God's wisdom. And then the final point here before we close is that God loves and cares for wayward people, and so should we. The whole point of Lady Wisdom going out and, and sharing this message is to warn the gullible or the naive to persuade the young person to seek after God's wisdom. And I would just ask those of us who are parents or teachers or leaders or grandparents or have influence, how are we bringing along the youth and pointing them down the path of wisdom? I'm sure that the longer we live, the more examples we have of our foolish choices. And we can lead and point those out to others to help them. We can speak the truth and warn them of where their choices will lead them, but we ought to speak the truth in love. So how are you influencing your friends or the next generation to know God and to know and trust in his wisdom? The primary audience for Solomon in writing parts of, of Proverbs was his son, to teach him and to, and to lead him and to influence him. And so we ought to be looking for others to bring them along 
and to help them. You know, even more than them getting a pricey education or high scores on their SAT or pursuing the dreams that you have for them in sports or whatever, is that they would grow up to be a godly and wise man or woman, seeking after wisdom more than what this world has to offer. And there are so many minds in the minefield that they will have to navigate. We need to point them out and to lead them in wisdom. And most of all, to pray, to pray for their hearts that God would guard them and keep them in his wisdom. And so, like Lady Wisdom says, we need to seek after her. We need God's wisdom and God's help. We need to say no and to reject the message that would lead us astray. And we need to seek after her like buried treasure, like our lives depend on it. So let's close in prayer and ask God to help us in this before our concluding song. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the life-giving hope that it gives us. I thank you for this message from Lady Wisdom that points out the error of seeking our own way, that points out the foolishness of saying that we know best and that we don't need your truth and your word. God, please convict our hearts. Point out where we are prone to wander from you. And I ask that there is a boy or girl, a man or woman, listening or watching that doesn't know you. God, please help them to see that their end is destruction if they do not know you, if they have not put their trust in Jesus. Help them to do that before it is too late. Help those of us, whether we're parents or teachers or or just older folks, help us to use our influence to teach others, to bring them along and point them to your truth, that we would show them the path of foolishness and call them to the path of wisdom. Thank you for this, God. Please give us grace to be obedient to your truth. In Jesus' name, amen.